1: I'm Beth White. I am your host this morning for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship from the Archdiocese of Chicago's um, show. We have a monthly show here where we try to focus on all things evangelization, renewal, spiritual renewal. So today, we are going to have a conversation. It's January. And in January, I think in our lives, we get back to basics. We kind of clean the house. We take down the Christmas tree. Uh, We really start thinking about minimalist, um, sort of, it's the cleaning and organizing month. So I thought maybe today we could just talk about the basics of evangelization. Um, Our Renew My Church process has hit a milestone. All of our parishes, except for maybe two, uh, have completed their decisions and discernment process of Renew My Church. Um, The first ones happened about four years ago, five years ago now, I think, Um, uh, and we are now finished with all of our parishes. I think we now have 210 parishes, and we had a little over 350 when we began, so there's been quite a few unifications, quite a few structural changes, and then quite a few parishes that did not have any structural changes, but that all of these communities of people are being called into now our next phase uh, which is spiritual renewal. So there are parishes that have been walking with us all along the process um, but now it's the entire archdiocese will be moving this year more fully into completely into the spiritual renewal of our archdiocese and the people. So I decided today to have a conversation with my colleague Jose Caronel. Good morning Jose.
2: Good morning, Beth.
1: Good morning. So, Jose is our senior coordinator for evangelization in the Hispanic, um, sort of the Hispanic evangelization. Uh, I made up the title. Um, it. Jose is um, been working in our office for five years. This month, congratulations, Jose. Thank you. So, um, I've been here six and a half years. So, Jose has been here. He was one of my great additions to the office. Um, so we've been at this in the field, on the ground, working along for the last um, with you five years, um, and really helping to support our parishes. So I thought we could have just a basic conversation about uh, evangelization. So let's just um, start with, I'll just give a little brief about our process and then we can just like go a little deeper. So, we start with choosing an evangelization lead. We ask that we start with pastors, and we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show a little bit more, working with the pastors. But we work with the pastors to help them kind of understand the vision and then help them um, identify an evangelization lead uh, and an evangelization team to work with that lead. Um, And all prior to that, we've helped to pastor, develop a plan for how that team's going to work with the evangelization coordinator. So, Jose, tell us a little bit about the importance of of choosing the right evangelization lead.
2: Yeah, choosing, well, choosing the right people that will help in these efforts is very important. If we do not have the right people to really lead these, uh, in a sense, renewal efforts, then we won't get very far especially if they do not understand the vision and the goal that we are trying to accomplish in building a culture of evangelization
1: and how do we help evangelization leads and teams come to understand that vision
2: we have uh we offer training three times a a year one is taking place right now in the month of january and we have another one coming up in may and another one in september um through these trainings, we are able to equip the evangelization team and lead to really understand uh, the vision for renewal as well as give them the, the tools along the way that they will need to be able to build a culture of evangelization.
1: Um, so we have trained a little, um, I think it's close to 600 people. Um, I think when we run the numbers um, with this latest group, we have about 100 people in training right now in English and Spanish. Um, We offer training in Spanish, Polish, and English, depending on the cycle. Um, The languages, you know, if the need is in Polish, we offer in Polish. Spanish, we offer in Spanish. Um, In addition to the training, what other kind of support does our evangelization leads um, and our teams get?
2: We usually schedule um, weekly meetings once we start to engage with the evangelization lead just to check in with them and see what other areas of support that they need, especially after the evangelization team trainings. That's when we check in with them, see how they're doing, if they have any questions, and we walk with them all along this process. And with the evangelization team, uh, we mainly equip the lead to be able to lead the team and that's uh, what we mainly do?
1: So part of that, uh, helping to equip the evangelization lead with the team is um, is helping that lead. So our leads could be a full-time staff member and mm-hmm. all the way down to a part-time volunteer and sort of any combination in between, like a part-time staff member, a full-time staff member with part-time duties in evangelization, um, you name it. So um, what we do is depending on their skill set, right, because if they're a full-time pastoral person, they probably have certain skills that someone who is a small business owner who's a, or a fireman or a, a full-time college student—I um, just described three evangelization leads that we have—they um, might have different skill sets, right? So we help mm-hmm. fill in the blanks, so how to pray with your team, how to encourage the individuals on your team to pray— how to have a meeting how to do a presentation those kinds of things right
2: right it really like you said it really <laughs> depends on the skills that each one of them have and sometimes it implies they will spend a little bit more time especially if they are volunteers right because they're usually free in the evenings they're not free all day mm-hmm. so we'll that it will will we'll work with them uh depending on what their reality is
0: right. and I
2: think that's one. I think key factor to the work that we do is that it's not a one bill fits all, uh, but more it's like we recognize your reality and we work with your reality.
1: So that is honestly um, one of the linchpins to our work is that we don't just do a training and then walk away. We do trainings and then a company, right, based on their needs Mm -hmm. and we'll help them do a budget. We help them figure out what kind of resources they're going to need. Do they need to reserve a room if they've never had to do something like that before? We really think through the checklist with them um, and we also help to at a higher level just put together strategies for like um, how do you use this this tool the tools that we're offering you in a larger way right?
2: Yes vision sharing. and for example, like one of our one of our colleagues, Alicia. She organized an evangel a parish evangelization day in which they use, I believe they use some of these tools, right? Yeah. Because you were there as a presenter too. (laughs) Uh, And and it helps also just kind of like to share with the community how the evangelization efforts are going as well as the renewal efforts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that they can see that there is some momentum going and that it's ongoing and it's not just a one and done deal. Mm -hmm.
1: So we, in addition to choosing a lead in a team, we want that lead in team, the first step in the process is we want them to start praying together and to really ground ourselves in prayer. Why is that a critical piece? Because people think they, we are going to want them to run and like go out and like we should train them how to share their story or train them how to go out and share the gospel or memorize the charisma why do we believe that you need to start with prayer
2: we believe that we need to start with prayer because through prayer is where we grow with our relationship with god and we need to be closely tied with him right because he is the source of our energy he is the source of our, the source of everything right and and very like saint paul in scripture says we cannot do anything Apart from him, Mm -hmm. right? It is not through what we do, but it's what God does through us. So, if we are not tied to that, uh, to the source of life, uh, with God, then I think the efforts that we do will not be as fruitful, because it it is God's work, and we are collaborators in God's work.
1: So we're um, our office is very dedicated to listening to the Holy Spirit and letting the Spirit guide us, right? And that's one of the first things that we want. Um, our evangelization leads and teams to do is to um, share their stories too, like to hear, to get used to building that muscle of in a safe space sharing who they are and doing face sharing together and praying together. And as as you were just saying, so that they are reliant on God, so they're listening to God, and that they realize this isn't their work; it's it's their 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 giving life to what we're called to do by Jesus, right? Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so constantly grounding ourselves in prayer. And so the next thing that we ask them to do is then, um, as a part of that, they should be praying the whole way, right? Praying for renewal, praying for the Spirit to guide them, praying for all of the activities to be wrapped in prayer, and helping other ministries in the parish be praying for renewal, right? Right. But the next part is offering up what we call this charismatic soft entry point. Um, can you explain to our listeners? We'll take this step by step. Can you explain to our listeners what a soft entry point is?
2: Yeah. A soft entry point is uh, a tool, a, an event, or a program where really anybody, no matter where they find themselves on the faith journey, can come in and participate Right, so some examples of a soft entry point can be a dinner dance, uh, bingo, uh, a bingo, bu- a bike ride to to the lake, and a uh, ride back home. Um, it could be like a, a mini marathon that the parish might host. Um, so it could be these different types of activities, or like in the Hispanic community, it could be like la loteria or la carmesis and just it could be things school. that gather it could community
1: be the sports mm-hmm. at a school event, right? It could be coming to a catholic school could be a soft entry point, right?
2: Exactly. So go ahead. Yes. No, I was that's pretty much it uh, what I was going how I was going to describe these soft entry points.
1: So these are moments that our parishes are a lot of our parishes are pretty good at, right? They bring community mm-hmm. together. They have their summer socials. They have their pancake breakfasts. They have their They sell their wreaths. They um, have their gatherings. It
2: could be the fish fry that the Knights of Columbus put on.
1: We do wonderful things like that during Lent, right? And Mm -hmm. so when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more then about if we understand what a soft entry point is, we're going to talk next about what a charismatic entry point is. So we'll be right back from break to continue our conversation.
3: Join Catholic Charities on Sunday, February 5th for The Divine Affair, one of the premier wine tasting events in Chicago. Sample and purchase wines and craft beers from around the world. Attend a wine appreciation and beer tasting seminar while you enjoy gourmet hors d'oeuvres and fabulous desserts. A spectacular silent auction and raffle are included as well. All proceeds benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that help anyone in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Purchase your Divine Affair tickets online today at catholiccharities.net slash divine. Our thanks to Louis Glunz Wines and the Joseph Glunz family for their generous support of Divine Affair. I can't imagine myself going into any other school.
0: Our school fosters growth by being A backbone to our family. My kids are incredibly well-rounded. I see a lot of kindness in them on a daily basis.
2: One of the things I think Catholic schools do well is personalize the learning experience. You
0: can hear joy in the classrooms. I feel that like I'm happy that I am in this kind of school. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artchicago.org slash find a school. Catholic Charities invites you to First Look for Charity, an extraordinary black-tie evening at McCormick Place on Friday, February 10th. Enjoy an elegant private reception and be among the first to explore the latest in automotive innovation at the Chicago Auto Show. Your ticket also gives you the chance to win either a 2023 Honda CR-V or a 2023 Subaru Crosstech. As you register, please select Catholic Charities so a portion of your ticket purchase benefits those we serve. Join us at First Look for Charity on Friday, February 10th. Visit CatholicCharities.net to get your tickets today.
2: Can a dead man come back to life? Can a dead man come back to life? For the-
1: Welcome back to On the Way. I'm Beth White, your host for our monthly radio show dedicated to all things evangelization and spiritual renewal. So I am speaking with my colleague, Jose Coronel, and Jose is a senior coordinator in the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. And so before the break, we were just talking about the different steps that we help parishes in the renewal process um, put in place what we call building blocks. Um, And one of those is a charismatic soft entry point. So Jose was describing a soft entry point. Actually, we just heard on um, the commercials. So you heard Catholic Charities has their divine affair, and and you heard the auto show. Those actually would be soft entry points. Um, And also it's building community, getting to know um, a a community in a very um, soft way with no commitment. The soft entry point also is just there's no commitment. You can just come to this one event. You don't have to join the parish council. You You know, you're just you get to just come and go as you please kind of thing. So Jose, what's a charismatic entry point?
2: A charismatic entry point is uh, a tool or a program in which you that you attend and that you where you hear the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ proclaimed to those that are in, in attendance. It is a way that where people come to encounter God's love. Uh, let's put it succinctly. So
1: so it's a it's a moment where you know we use that word charisma we throw it around. So it's the basically what you said that Jesus God took on human form that we just the incarnation that we just um celebrated which is extraordinary. Um the idea that God became one of us uh and that Jesus showed us how to live our lives that and that um we learned so much from him and the, his healing ministry, his mercy, his forgiveness. And his willingness to sacrifice him, his very human person for, our, for us, for our salvation, for, so that we can have access to eternal life. And that he promises mm-hmm. he will be with us always, always. He's very present to us always through his spirit, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the, the charismatic entry point is a place where people explore that. And as you said, they hopefully have an experience of encounter with the community, and encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right?
2: Right. An example of of some of these charismatic entry points are like, for example, a cursillo,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, cursillo, Chirp, Christ. Mm -hmm. Chirp.
2: Chirp as well, or I think it's called welcome now, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, so so just some examples of a charismatic soft entry point.
1: And so if you're familiar with Christ Renews' parish, which is chirp, and it's now called welcome, as Jose was indicating, you know, that is all—it's a beautiful cursillo. the— the, um, the high schoolers have the—oh, um, um, gosh, I just forgot the name of it. Um, Kairos. Kairos. So those kinds of um, retreats and experiences are beautiful, and they're wonderful. And they are to help a person explore who this God is and who they are in relationship to him. However, a charismatic entry point presumes a lot, right, Jose? The language— sure. <laughs> is very catholic so you're presuming that a person already has now outsiders can come no 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 um no reason they can't but it's not designed for them right can you explain yeah. that a little yes. bit to our listeners
2: yes uh, so for example in in my own experience when i was a, a young adult in the young adult group right um the retreats that we usually organized, it was more geared and directed to those that uh, were Catholic or had fallen fallen away from the faith, um, but in a sense already knew God or believed that God existed, right? And, you know, and on one occasion, we had um, somebody join us from uh, uh, a Protestant church. And when they joined us to the retreat, uh, of course they did believe in God, right uh, but their perspective was slightly different than ours but we didn't necessarily know how to talk about the faith or how to address it to make it feel inclusive for for him. And we made uh, a few errors that we sure not shouldn't have made right we we were a little kind of like on the defensive side thinking that he was there to kind of like convert us no. But even though uh, he wasn't there for any of that, he was just there to experience mm-hmm. uh, this encounter or this experience that we were offering for for for, for a retreat. So I think um, oftentimes, maybe in some curios uh, or church, sometimes we're not uh, equipped to be able to uh, walk with people. And where they find themselves, in, especially if they have not had that encounter with with God or, or believe in God, mm. so I think um, that's one of the challenges that when we do a course, you have prepare for it, or or a retreat, or a parish-based retreat, that sometimes we don't take that into consideration. Right. And right. Mm-hmm.
1: so, a charismatic soft entry point is distinct. So yes. it, it, it fills this gap. So. um The soft part is that anyone can come, right? And that there's no commitment, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. usually chirp, you have to commit to being there, spending the night in the parish with people like that, you know, overnight. Or, or, uh, you know, these retreats often are already presuming that you have some sort of relationship with the community, right? But a soft Mm -hmm. charismatic entry point, why is that a little different?
2: Uh, I think first of all, it's like the, like you said, is no commitment. They can attend maybe once or twice and that's it. They don't have to come back if they don't want to. Um, it's soft in the sense that it's for everybody. Uh, anybody's welcome to come and it helps to bridge that soft entry point with a charismatic soft entry point, right? It's like a, a bridge, uh, if you want, you can call it like a, a, a missing link if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's important because it, a charismatic soft entry point equips those that are that are running it to be able to, more than anything, to listen, right? To accept people where they are at, uh, a judgment-free zone, a space where they can explore uh, life's <coughs> questions and faith questions as well, and where they are just accepted for who they are. It allows them to uh, open <coughs> up and experience uh, the charisma through the sharing and witness of others that are in that same small group.
1: So, exactly. So, this charismatic soft entry point is uses the language of the day. The language of our culture isn't being explicitly Catholic in its language. So you don't have to sort of understand some of our lingo like transubstantiation and consubstantial mm-hmm. and um, our, our Catholic lingo. Um, but it gets to the basics. When we're talking about—I said at the top of the show we wanted to get back to the basics— And so this charismatic soft entry point, we really want it to be the basics. It's not about whether you're Protestant or whether you're Catholic or whatever. It's actually, are you Christian? And it's, who is this Jesus, right? So the goal of that charismatic soft entry point is to help a person have a soft entry into faith, not just the community, but to faith. Because we can have soft entries into the community, and then you don't go any deeper, right? Right. But this is actually helping—it's a way to help people, invite people into something more. If a person comes to our church, they're not looking necessarily—you know, they're looking for something more. They're not just looking for community. They're looking for a community in faith, right? And so the mm-hmm. charismatic soft entry point gives them access to exploring Who is this Jesus? Who is this God? Who is this Holy Spirit? How do you pray? What is the Bible? Those pretty basics, because um, what have we learned a little bit about our culture, Jose, today? Why is it different than like 20 years ago?
2: Well, the obvious one is that 20 years ago it was more Christian than it is today. Yeah. Right?
1: Our overall culture. It was
2: more accepted to believe in God. Mm
1: -hmm. Now,
2: to say to believe in God is like Haven't you heard something about science, how it has refuted that that does not exist? Yeah. Um, So that's a a challenge, right? Because people don't see also, they don't see the church as having a moral authority anymore. Yeah. And a charismatic soft entry point helps us to gain a person's trust once again. Well.
1: Trust. So that's interesting. Thank you for saying that. Because the charismatic soft entry point, if it's designed correctly, it's, it's, it's an experience in community so that people can experience trusting the community, trusting the people that they're in the small group with, trusting the leadership. It isn't about – the culture today has very limited trust in all institutions, Um, the youngest, the generations are the least amount of trust that they have in the post office in Congress in the presidency and yes, in religion. Um, but we trust people that persists. So these charismatic soft entry points allow people to get into know people and get to understand what we believe in a more profound way. Right.
2: Mm hmm. And I think, uh, if you look at it right uh, today, we were talking about um, the two dimensions of evangelization, right? Mm-hmm. There's an the individual level, and then there's uh, the the community uh, dimension as well. And when we when we personally engage with others and gain their trust as, from person to person, um, we invite them into something more, something deeper, right? To be in relationship with not just us, but with with the community. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, if what the, this charismatic of entry tool does for us is that it helps us to be able to put into words our own experience of that encounter and give witness to it. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, if we are able to equip, uh, many more people to do that, then that starts in to one degree, help build that culture of evangelization that we are working towards.
1: Yeah. And when we hear other people's stories we don't just keep them to ourselves but when we actually get to hear people talk about how God has worked in their own lives we get to stand on sacred ground right we were like wow this God is like even more amazing than I imagined and so by keeping our own story silent we're not actually helping to build up the kingdom but so part of these soft entry points is encouraging people that are further on the journey to to listen and appropriately share Their stories. So, thank you so much for being with me this morning, Jose. Um, We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to take a break, and when we get back, uh, we will hear from Shannon Schmidt, Schmidt, who is one of our Vicariate Parish Vitality Coordinators. So, she'll continue our conversation about the basics of evangelization. Thank you, Jose.
0: Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you.
4: People always say, how can you spend your day with three-year-olds? Seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow, this is a very rewarding job. Even though at the end of the day, we're not the highest paid people on earth. And when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school, that to me, I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning. Because really you are changing lives, you are molding
0: lives. Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach, apply today at artchicago.org schooljobs.
2: A dead man, come back to light.
1: For Welcome back to On the Way. This I'm Beth White, and I'm your host this morning for the radio show, YouTube channel, podcast of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, At the first half of our show, we talked to Jose uh, Coronel from my office to talk about the basics, the foundations of evangelization. So up next is Shannon Schmidt. Shannon is our Vicariate 6 Parish Vitality Coordinator. There's a lot of V's in there. Um, And uh, Shannon has been working with us. How long have you been with us, Shannon, now? Ah, uh, just over six months now. Six so months. I feel very That's seasoned. it. <laughs> wow! It seems like so. I was going to say you've been with us a year. Wow. Okay, just six months. Okay. So um, perfect. So Shannon works uh, in a vicariate six, and she has been working with our office to really kind of <laughs> understand how we uh, talk about evangelization, and how we work with parishes. So um, I thought we, it being January, I was saying to Jose uh, and to our listeners that, you know, in January we talk about getting organized, we put away the Christmas tree, we clean our house. I don't know about you, but when I take down the tree and all the decorations, my house just looks empty, and I sort of kind of love it for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, there's less to dust, you know, all that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought we could just spend today, it's January, talking about the basics. And um, just to get you up to speed, mm-hmm. I mentioned that we are now, as an archdiocese, we are moving completely into spiritual renewal. We'll be focusing on that really intentionally this entire year, 2023. Um, all of our parishes, I think, except one or two, um, will have their decisions and discernments Uh, completely finalized this month. Uh, And so we are through that phase. And many of our parishes have gotten through the operations transitions phase. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now we're really wholeheartedly moving into spiritual renewal. There there are parishes that have been working with us for about five years, but there are only six that began with us. And so now we're up to, I want to say, over I think there's like 90 parishes at this point who are active in um, the next part called building the new reality, right? Mm-hmm. So Shannon, I was talking to Jose about like evangelization first steps, but I want to go back. So I mm-hmm. probably should have had you first, but that's okay. This is how it goes. So for our <laughs> listeners, you know, when we just heard Jose and I talk about uh, working with a pastor to get evangelization lead and a team and then get them going with a charismatic soft entry point, that before that, any of that can happen, we need Shannon to be doing the work yeah. in the, uh, vicari- in her vicariate. Um So Shannon, talk to our listeners a little bit about when we talk about tilling the soil uh, from mm-hmm. the parable of the sower to our listeners. What do we mean about, what does that look like?
4: Yeah. So tilling the soil is a period where, especially for those of our parishes that maybe have experienced unification or going through their operations transition, we're talking about not just the ins and outs of what it means to combine parishes and like the, you know, all the business side and operation side, but also what's the vision for what we're doing. You know, we're not just doing this because we want to balance budgets. It's because the Cardinal and the Lord have invited us into spiritual renewal. And so tilling the soil well is that time when we're talking about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a missionary disciple? How is God calling us to evangelization? What are the ways that has been effective in other places? What are Um, some of the things that we've seen in our research, that we've seen in our parishes that are working, and to really cast that vision across uh, not only parish leadership, but also the rest of the community, to not focus as much on um, maybe what we've lost or the deep realities of why we're in this need for evangelization in the modern world, but to really look ahead and to see what could be, to envision what the kingdom of God could look like in our parishes, in our time, in our age, when we focus on evangelization first, when we put evangelization as our primary purpose in parish life, because that's what we're here for, right? As a church, it's not just to provide pastoral care and comfort for those of us who are already baptized, who are trying to live out our faith. It's to share the good news, right? It's to go and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is that radical discipleship that Christ invites us to, but also that joy of living out that discipleship that propels us forward. And so we talk about what that looks like and how it could be realized in our parishes so that when we do get to the phase where we're ready to talk about evangelization, we already all hopefully, have seen what we could be and get excited to jump into the next phase.
1: So when we talk about the spiritual renewal, and you were just talking about disciples and missionary disciples, so when we talk about um, why is it not enough just to go to Mass on Sunday? Yeah.
4: That's a great question, and there's uh, many who don't even go to mass on Sunday, question. but I answer yeah. it. yeah, I have four children at home. they they go to Catholic school too, so they're like, we go during the week. Why do we have to go again? right? Um, and I think for me to answer that question from my own discipleship. Mass for me is the time that two things happen. I get to reconnect with the community, but also that I am renewed for my own journey of discipleship, that I get to hear the word of God in my own life and speaking to me. I get to be with the rest of the people in the pews who are trying to live this out in whatever stage in their faith they may be. And I also get to receive the sacraments, to receive the Eucharist in particular, to be nourished, to become as close to God as I possibly could, right? That's the beauty of the Eucharist is that uh, when we receive the body and blood of our Lord in the form of bread and wine and uh, that we are as close to God as we'll ever be. God gives us his own life so that our life may overflow, right? His life may overflow within us. And so, um, you know, there have been times I actually had uh, COVID a couple of weeks back, and I missed two weeks of Advent for Mass, which was really sad because I love Advent. <laughs> uh, thank, I'm much better. I'm fine. I'm doing really well, uh, everyone, so no worries. But, um, but I, I noticed immediately, right, those two Sundays that I missed in order to keep myself healthy and everyone safe, um, that I just... It, it threw me off and mm-hmm. I missed, uh, the people, I missed the community and I missed the sacraments and I, and I missed Advent, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I literally missed half of Advent, um, in, in two weeks of, of being down to the count. And, uh, I miss those rhythms of my life that are oriented around the liturgical year. Um, and so for me, it's, You know, it it can be a hassle and even for my kids, right? But I go to mass on Sunday because I want to grow closer to to Christ. And because that is the way that my discipleship can reconnect, not just with the Lord, because I'm doing that hopefully every day in prayer, but with the whole community, the whole body of Christ that is trying to live out this faith in the world. Uh, And I'm supported by the body of Christ around me. Because I can see that I'm not alone. I'm not just out here trying to do this by myself. But all of Christ's body is with me and present and making the body of Christ manifest when we gather together.
1: So why is Mass not enough for a parish community? Why Why does the parish—Mass is amazing. It's wonderful, as you just gave witness to and testimony to, and it is— an important, um, I mean, center to our faith, right? Worship and Absolutely. the Eucharist, and but why do we need more than that?
4: Um, I often think about this in terms of a relationship, right? Uh, it's it's not just enough for me and my husband to like once a week talk and check in, right? Um, we have to we have to communicate every day. And we have to uh, sort of be on the same page, and um, our relationship isn't going to thrive if we're just sort of like doing the basics um, and uh, following along in without sort of engaging our whole person. Does that mean every moment is going to be you know like wonderful, and we're going to be you know attentive to each other as much as we could? No. Uh, but you know we often talk about that in re- in our relationship with god but it's also true of our relationship with the community right that we that we need to be connected to community um and that there are benefits too to being connected to the community you know Beth, I know you talk a lot about our social capital right that that when we're connected in community we sort of have more relationships um, and along with that um you know the the beautiful thing about Christ and the way that he taught and lived is that um, faith was always lived within the context of community, and that. Um, we always needed, he always sent people out with the support. So when he sends his disciples out um, in that initial mission, he sends those 72 disciples out in the gospel of Matthew. He sends them two by two. They don't go alone. right? <laughs> they need someone walking with them uh, to support them. And uh, that's something that we all need in every aspect of our lives. Right? We there, when we're trying to do something, it's hard to do it alone. There are going to be times when we, um, you know, maybe we're not interested or maybe we're struggling that we need that extra support. There are going to be times where we're going to be a, an example or a witness for someone else. Um, And also, I think it's important to recognize that the mission of the church is not mass. Mass is part of the mission of the church, um, but the mission of the church is to make disciples. And mm-hmm. so we are fed as disciples through the sacraments, but... We have so much more that we have to do to be able to care for our communities, to care for our world, right? Mm. Things like our charity and justice work, things like uh, uh, places where people can encounter the gospel for the first time where are they going to hear the gospel probably most of them aren't going to come to mass the first time right that's a very intimidating prospect if you're not catholic you know you don't even know when to stand up and sit down so parishes need so much more than just mass because mass is for us right it's for those of us who are already catholic so i'm going to interrupt Um, you but
1: we we have to go to break i'm being given um notification we need to go to break we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation with shannon (laughs) Thank you, Shannon.
3: Sunday, February 5th for the Divine Affair, one of the premier wine tasting events in Chicago. Sample and purchase wines and craft beers from around the world. Attend a wine appreciation and beer tasting seminar while you enjoy gourmet hors d'oeuvres and fabulous desserts. A spectacular silent auction and raffle are included as well. All proceeds benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that help anyone in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Purchase your Divine Affair tickets online today at catholiccharities.net slash divine. Our thanks to Louis Glunz Wines and the Joseph Glunz family for their generous support of Divine Affair.
0: I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope, too, and it it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. Catholic Charities invites you to First Look for Charity, an extraordinary black tie evening at McCormick Place on Friday, February 10th. Enjoy an elegant private reception and be among the first to explore the latest in automotive innovation at the Chicago Auto Show. Your ticket also gives you the chance to win either a 2023 Honda CR-V or a 2023 Subaru Crosstech. As you register, please select Catholic Charities so a portion of your ticket purchase benefits those we serve. Join us at First Look for Charity on Friday, February 10th. Visit catholiccharities.net to get your tickets today.
1: On the way. I am Beth White. I continue to be your host this morning for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm speaking with Shannon Schmidt. She is a vicari- vicariate. Level parish vitality coordinator. She works in Vicariate 6 here in the Archdiocese. Uh, we have six arch, uh, Vicariates in our Archdiocese, so she works in number 6 in the South Side. Um, so before the break, we were talking about tilling the soil and the need to really, during, after unification, you had a lot of unifications in your Vicariate. You actually yes. had the most number of churches that closed in your Vicariate. Um, And so a lot of healing happens during tilling the soil, a lot of community building. You have, let's say you have three, there was one parish community at five different communities that came together, right? And so even the community that's receiving everyone, let's say they're the quote unquote Mm -hmm. surviving church, uh, Mm -hmm. their community changes because now they, they're women's group has to become integrated with other members. Their men's club has to be integrated with other members. They're Mm -hmm. going to add. So part of the unification is bringing together the ministries, bringing together the vision of renewal, but also helping people get to know each other. And so in those communities, we really want them to spend at least a year Focusing on their operations transition because they have to build a new website and they have to do a new bulletin and they have to get actual financial new number from the IRS. (laughs) It is like craziness. Um, And they have to, like, close down things. And that's the structural stuff. But then we really want them building community inside because how do you invite people in if the community doesn't even know each other, right? So mm-hmm. um, what are some of the tools that you guys use for that to help um, help them kind of both get to know vision as well as build community? Are there some tools that you've used? I know you've only been at this six months, so I don't want to put you on the spot. but. <laughs>
4: Yes, thankfully I had a wonderful predecessor in yes. Valerie Jennings. Yes. So uh, she has been doing the work, uh, a the lot, lot of work in her vicariate yeah. for six years yeah. before I came, um, and. Uh, I know one of the key pieces really was a ministry unification process. So there was a formal process in which ministries came together. They met, you know, the head of the ushers here and there and the third parish all got together and they had to talk through like, what did we do? What are our best practices? What do we want this new ministry to look like in this new parish with this new communal identity? Uh, so there's a very formal process to that in some cases along with that most parishes found that they needed to have not lots of nice social gatherings. So maybe they, um, should to have a parish picnic in that first mm, year, or yeah. they had, um, you know, some of those legacy events from legacy parishes that continued on and kept going that they, you know, maybe they had a St. Patrick's day party or a Mardi Gras party every year, uh, that they continued or a fish fry during Lent, something like that. Um, but so much of it is really just about um, having time. Maybe it's uh, before or after mass on Sundays or having different leaders from the different parishes reach out to people they know to keep those connections we already had from a parish um, and to build new connections, you know, to try and bring when we got a new committee together, members from each different parish, members from each um different ministry so that no one looked like they quote-unquote won or lost even if they were again that parish that stayed open and quote-unquote survived you know they lost their parish identity too yeah they're starting a new parish and so it was all about um trying to connect people and and i think we found that people once we get over the hurt and the pain are really excited because yeah. uh, for so many of our parishes, at least, you know, that might be a very small community and now it's tripled in size and that's yeah. lovely. You know, yeah. you can do so much yeah. more yeah. with that too. Yeah. So that's a really great joyful outcome yeah. of some of the hard things.
1: And what's interesting about that phase, especially for the parishes that have unified is they're building a muscle. They're building a mm-hmm. muscle that requires them to talk to people. Yes, they're Catholics, but they're, they're building a muscle to talk to people they've never met before, to having interactions and rebuilding committee, rebuilding ministries and thinking about how are we more inclusive and how are we um, letting people know that they belong um, all of those foundational things for evangelization when we say you have to have strong hospitality, you need to listen to the needs. So I know part of that ministry unification was listening to the needs of the community, right? It was mm-hmm. Is this a ministry that needs to persist or is this a ministry that doesn't make sense anymore? Um, and so it, it, I know it's hard for a lot of those communities, but in some ways um, they have the people who have sort of built some of those muscles so one of the things that we talk about is we say it's more important to focus on the who than the what. Mm. So uh-huh. we, we we are very strong in the who not the what. Do you want to explain to our listeners why we say that in building the new reality?
4: Absolutely. Uh I think the main reason is that right the to to be a little uh, high and mighty in some ways, right? Uh, when we think about what God is doing for humanity the aim of God's saving work is the individual person yes we, we look at we look at Jesus Christ and who is he going to he, yeah yes he's preaching to crowds and things like that but the stories that are most powerful in the gospel the stories that stick with us are always the one where he goes to the individual mm. and he listens yeah. and he hears what they say and then speaks to, what they need you know i think about like the woman at the well for example um a great story about evangelization <laughs> right jesus
1: one of is, our favorites. it's
4: a very intimate conversation yeah, that's yeah. about her primarily
0: yeah.
4: uh, not sort of all these big theological questions but her and so uh, i think that's at the heart right of that is that we're emulating well in that story in
1: that story too though in that conversation he hears her deep longing her thirst, her desire mm-hmm. for this Messiah, this desire to worship, um, and uh, and that's what he responds to because he hears her tell her side, and and so that's an inter that's a very important part of this, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Yeah. yeah, and I think from a parish perspective, right, that um, we we need to know who we're speaking to. Right? Yeah. We can't. Um, we can't uh, if we're going out there, you know. Um, here on the South side, things are a lot different than in Lake County or on the West side or in the Loop, right? Uh, Those are different types of people, different communities. You know, are we living in a place where there's lots of young adults or there's lots of families, right? Mm -hmm. That changes what our needs are in our communities. Um, And the purpose of a parish is to be the presence of the church in the midst of a particular community, right? And so, our mission, again, is to make disciples in that particular community. So we need to know who we're speaking to yeah. in order to be able to bring the gospel to them. Yeah. Um, and it's a great thing when it, when we do it. <laughs> it's a great thing when it, we do it that way.
1: it's, it's It makes our parishes
4: look like what they're supposed to.
1: So, um, we only have a couple minutes left, but um, I could talk to you all day, Shannon. But one of the <laughs> interesting things that we talk about too is that people think that we're being called to spiritual renewal here in Archdiocese, and there's this vision of, oh, we're going to spiritually renew all of our churches. Um, I would argue what you just said is what we're actually on for. It's, a, it's the individual. Our church is only renewed when the people of God um, are renewed, and we know how to have conversations with people no matter where they're at on their journey, right? So it's equipping us. It's helping us grow in that more intimate relationship with God. So to our listeners, renewal happens in you. It's in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's in your prayer life. It's in your commitment to the sacramental life. It's in your commitment to being present to someone at your dinner table or at work or wherever you might find yourself in a hospital or something. Um, That's renewal. That's where renewal happens, right? So the who is us. It's not what we do. That's part of it. But if we don't have Mm -hmm. our – if we're not focused on the people, it's never going to happen, right? Right? So as we close out our conversation, because I'm getting the one-minute warning, uh, what is your hope for the year ahead for renewal here in this archdiocese? Yes,
4: um, I hope that we'll start to see just little Beautiful success stories mm. of where the Holy Spirit is moving, um, especially in our vicariate, where we're through all the discernment and decisions, we're yeah. even through all of our operations transition. So, like right now, it's just sort of like let's let the Holy Spirit be unleashed and see what happens. And I can't wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Shannon, she had a few pastors participate in our evangelization foundations, which we'll talk about later, and it's very exciting to watch what we're seeing happen there. So, thank you so much, Shannon. <laughs> Have a happy new year ahead.
4: You
0: You too. Take care. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org and clicking on radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.